Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, Greg Pickle, welcome back, fans. We are going to get to another round of the Penn State Blitz podcast. He is Greg Pickle. I just checked. You are indeed Greg Pickle. I'm Bob Flounders. We're going to talk about Penn State's offense, the good and the bad. We're going to talk about the defense, the good and the bad. There's been a lot good. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about the Penn State mailbag later in the show, and we're going to get some recruiting updates as well. Okay, Greg, 3-0 at the break. The Pitt Panthers and Pat Narduzzi. We always have to mention Pat Narduzzi now when we talk about the Pitt Panthers. He's sensational. Um, uh, That was a really – it was a a tight game. Mm -hmm. Pitt played as hard as they possibly could. Penn State fought them off. Gallant goal line stand uh, late in the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Questionable decisions, but that's that's another story. They're 3-0, bye week, and then a Friday night game at Maryland, which should be interesting to kick off the Big Ten season. But let's just kind of review what we've seen the first quarter of the regular season. Let's start with the offense. They've scored a lot of points, at least in the first two games, shut down a little bit by Pittsburgh or a lot by Pittsburgh. What were the things you liked most? And then we'll follow it up with maybe some things they got to work on. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that jumped out to me was they definitely have four running backs that they should feel comfortable with. I think that can be a bit of a problem, though. I think we'll get into that in a little bit. But, um, you know, one thing that really jumped out to me from just looking at the three games of the whole. Bob is that Sean Clifford, I think is really close to connecting on some big plays. And if you want to take some gripes with the fact that he missed some uh, receivers down the field in the pit game, that would have made that game a lot more comfortable of a win. Let's be honest. How many had to be at least two touchdowns that were overthrown um, in that contest, but you can look at it another way. He's not spiking the ball into the turf. He's, you know, the, the arms there. And it looks like, um, just based on the fact how many times we've seen KJ Hamler and Jahan Dodson or, or, or one of those guys and Pat Fryermuth in the same spot on the field. Yeah. There's some things that need yeah. to be worked out there. It's not just Sean Clifford's fault, you know? Um, and I, I think if they use the bye week to do that, this Penn State offense should look a little bit smoother, uh, on Friday night against Maryland next week. Yeah. Also zero uh, interceptions for Sean Clifford. Yeah. He had one in the red zone overturned in the first half of the pit game. They called, I think, interference. Somebody interfered with Fryermuth. That's right. Yeah. Um, um, wasn't a great throw, but it turns out there was a reason for it. I also think the fact that he can impact the game with his legs, mm-hmm. that was kind of a concern from a lot of the fans uh, over the summer trying to replace Trace right. McSorley. He got a little, he, he got a, he was a little feisty about that. He said, you know, I, I ran in high school. I can do this. You know, when I got here, I was running four eights. Mm-hmm. Now I'm in the four fives. And he said, I'm looking forward to showing the fans that I, he can, I can run with the ball. He can, he, uh, he's made some plays with his feet. That's huge. Um, I want to touch on the running back rotation. I do think that Penn state is now at the point where they have to rethink how they're going to deploy that rotation or they got to tighten it up. Um, to me, uh, journey Brown, and Noah Kane are now their two best options running the ball. I think Ricky Slade's got some some talent, no question. He, he made a, he made a big play in the passing game. I think Devin Ford is is a little behind the first two, but I, I think Penn State does himself a disservice 
when one of those two, Brown or Kane, are not on the field. And I think that hurt them late in the game against Pittsburgh. They had the wrong guy on the field when they wanted to run their four-minute offense, Greg. It yeah. should have been Kane. Franklin acknowledged that. that. That is a coaching issue. They can't afford to do that. No, I, you took the words right out of my mouth. And I know we need to get to the offensive line, but they didn't have the best guy behind them either. And it's inexcusable for right. James Franklin to be a six-year head coach and Ricky Ronnie to be a second-year offensive coordinator. Uh, Jay one cider has been around the game a long time. Tyler bones, a guy who was an offensive coordinator at Fordham. He's a, uh, another voice on yeah. that sideline, almost a voice of Ricky Ronnie in a way on that sideline. And for James Franklin to come into that media room after the game and say, yeah, the first thing we talked about on the headset was we probably should have had uh Kane in there. It's not like this is the first game. And it's not like they haven't talked about before that he's their guy in short yardage and he's their best guy to really run through the, the middle of the field with. So that, that you're right. It, it's a coaching blunder that they just can't afford moving into big 10 play. Yeah. And let's talk about the, uh, offensive line a little bit. Rasheed Walker, left tackle, three starts. Uh-huh. I think one of the most interesting things about the offensive line is we heard a lot about C.J. Thorpe at the start of the year. He starts the first game and it was, it's was it been Mike Miranda the last two games at right guard. I still think there's some things that need to be kind of sifted mm-hmm. through there. Um, just your thoughts on the offensive line play. Uh, I'll just say this. that It looks like they've struggled in pass protection against uh, a couple of different blitzes. Pitt got them early in the game. It yeah. looked like they struggled with maybe movement. How do you, how would you look at the offensive line? Yeah. I mean, CJ Thorpe, if you go back and watch that pit game, I think he pan- had about six pancake blocks, but um, at this point it's the same as it's ever been with this group. There's yeah. times they look really good. I mean, that drive with Noah Kane behind them was, I, I would say by far the best drive of the season. Yeah. I mean, they've had some real meaningful, quick scoring, meaningful, right. uh, Game hanging in the balance. Absolutely. But then there's times where it looks like, and I think both of the sacks were probably on Sean Clifford. I think the one he held yeah, on to too right. long and the other one, he got outside of the pocket, probably should have thrown it away. Did not. So I don't know how much of the blame you want to put right. on the line for those. But uh, again, I think it it's still just too Jekyll and Hyde-ish in the sense that there's times these guys look like this is the line Penn State fans have been waiting for for five, you know, the better part of four or five seasons now. Yeah. And then there's times when it looks like they just aren't developing maybe the way that we thought they would. Yeah. And the offensive line, you know, Penn State has been fortunate. The first two teams they played just not deep enough, not fast enough that they kind of wore them down. They're going to play a lot. I think they're going to play quite a few teams that are better than Pittsburgh and they're going to have to play on the road. Um, the, the saying goes bad lines, offensive lines don't travel well. I'm not, I'm just saying this team has going to have to be able in the second half to run the ball. Uh, and I don't know that they're quite there yet. I think uh, Matt Limegrover has some stuff to, to kind of get fixed, but I do agree. Uh, Sean Clifford did. I think maybe, uh, there were some situations where he knows he's got to throw the ball away. He didn't do it. Cost them some field position. Uh, just just real quick, Greg, um, Friar Muth and Hamler. It just seems to me that when they're involved in the game early or, or, or when they're involved on third down, Penn State's an awful tough uh, offense to match up with. Do you feel like they've gotten the ball enough in the first three games? No, I mean, you saw what, well, he missed, they missed Handler a couple times. Yeah. So I think unlike the, I think the, the barometer or the benchmark here is the Citrus Bowl, right? Yeah. Where he was only targeted two times. Yeah. I don't have the targets in front of us, obviously, but they're, they've tried to get him involved and it just didn't work out. Friar on the other hand, I believe he had one catch for 16 yards. He was targeted two, three times at 
at most. So mm-hmm. um, one thing that's always a little bit concerning listening to James Franklin after some of these games or during his Tuesday news conference is that he'll often talk about how well the opponent executed their plan. Yeah. And it feels far like far too often, Bob Penn state doesn't enforce its will and its plan onto its opponent. And with a young team like this, that has a couple guys who are uh, budding stars and a couple guys mm-hmm. who you could make the case are already stars. You have to make your opponent deal with them. And it's not good enough to say, well, their plan was to take those guys out of the game and they did. And that's why we only threw it twice to Pat Fry. Because James Franklin didn't say that, but that might be something you hear down the road. So to me, I think, if Penn State's going to take the next step that they've been talking about taking, they have to, again, enforce their will on their opponent. Yep. Okay, let's go to the defense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they gave up some yards uh, to pick it, the, the uh, Pittsburgh quarterback, uh, this past Saturday. Bottom line, though, is when they had to make the plays, they did. Mm-hmm. They only gave up 10 points. They've only given up 30 all year. Uh, as you look at this team and this defense and the way that Brent Pry has coordinated it, what what are maybe some of the highs for you and what are some of the lows? Yeah, I think the big, I mean, there's nowhere else to start but the run defense, right? I mean, these guys um, have basically, I mean, yeah, did Buffalo get them a few times? Yeah, but that running back and that offensive line is good. Yeah. Um, let's, let's not beat around the bush and, and say, oh, it's Buffalo. It, it, yeah, it is, but he was the returning Mac player of the year. That's a pretty veteran offensive line. Right. Um, they're going to get a lot of teams this year, I think. So, you know, that was, uh, that was notable, I guess you could say. Um, the, obviously, the effort against Pitt 25 yards or 24 yards on 25 carries. Um, They made Pittsburgh one dimensional and Kenny Pickett probably played the game of his life. I mean, I actually, I didn't agree with much of what Pat Narduzzi had to say after the game, but he said it was an all conference effort from uh, Kenny Pickett. How do you argue with that? Um, But when you force him to throw 50 times, Mm -hmm. you're going to get your stops. Eventually you're going to pressure him eventually. And Penn state was able to do that, especially on the uh, fourth, fourth quarter, fourth, and their four down goal line stand mm-hmm. and ended with the missed field goal. So uh, that's obviously encouraging. But, you know, again, if you face 50 pass attempts, you're going to give up some sacks. I think the most, or I'm sorry, you're going to give up some yards. But I think the most eyebrow raising thing is that. Uh, James Franklin was asked recently if he thought his defensive line was making the impact that he thought it would. And, and it's not playing bad, but Bob 50 dropbacks and three sacks. Just, I mean, they were close. I mean, they were close a number of times and credit to Pickett for getting the ball out, but they talked all off season about this group being a yeah. big strength. I think it's showing up in some non-statistical ways, but it has to start showing up in the, you know, on the stat sheet sooner rather than later. Yeah. So the defensive ends were, were, were buzzworthy in the off season. And Etor Gross Matos, you know, you know he's probably going to be a first round pick next year, or if not first You're round pick. You're just saying that because you want to go to Las Vegas early, for the draft. early second. So you know, and, and you look at some of the guys, just their testing numbers in the uh, in the winter workouts. Jason Owe, Shaka Tony's bigger. You know, Shane Simmons is healthy. Four defensive ends. They like a couple of their younger ends as well. So. The expectation and James kind of created it too. like James at every turn. James is talking about the defensive end group, yep. deepest, most talented group I've ever been around. So the, the bar was set way high. 
I would say this about the defensive ends. I don't necessarily think that they're playing badly. Right. I see them getting into the backfield. They're not finishing. Like if you look at the Pittsburgh game, Shaka mm-hmm. uh, Tony example. was in the backfield the whole game. He made he could have had two or three sacks. He just missed the strip sack in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, he only had one sack, but I still think he's playing well. Um, I think you have to give the other the, cre- the credit to the quarterback for stepping up and just avoiding plays. Um, I don't think the defensive tackles have been bad. Um, I just think this defensive line is, is still experiencing a couple of growing pains. Mm-hmm. I think a guy like Jason Owe, um, some teams have gotten him because he, he's a wide a, a wide rusher. They've ran, they've run inside of him. I think this group's going to get better. I think PJ Mustafers played well. I think Windsor's played well. Um, I look for them to to actually start to play a lot better than they have now. Um, the linebacker group, I thought Micah and Cam Brown were really really good yes. against Pittsburgh. They're tough to match up with because of the way they can run, <clears throat> and and, the, and they have the size to, to make plays in the passing game. Cam Brown was uh, was just unbelievable on the goal line stand. We keep calling. It a f- like a, a, a four. It's not it's, really. It's though. really yeah. only three. three right. Yes. Right. Um, I think I think the Penn State fan base might want to send flowers to maybe the office in Pittsburgh for that decision to kick the field goal on fourth and goal from it's like not the, backing down from from, it, Bob. The tw- <laughs> from the twelve inch line. But I mean, I I, I think. Some people are frustrated because they don't see a, a lot of splash plays. They don't see a lot of turnovers. Greg, the the a dominant defense in college football, you're going to give up points. You just are. Yeah, absolutely. A, dom, a, a, a great defense makes the plays when they have to be. That's what a great defense is. They're not going to make them the whole game. Sometimes the offense is going to have a great game plan. Yep. They're going to script the first 10 to 15 plays just to try and make you look bad. So it's going to be a game of adjustments, but I just don't know how, how much when you look at the scoreboard. Um, 30 points in three games. I know they didn't play a great team at the start. Um, the thing that mo- only, the only thing I would say about the defense is they got to be smarter on third and long. Yeah. They've been, they've been killed with screens. If you look at the pit game and how many escapes Pickett made when they had him, you know, dead to rights, yeah. they he either extended plays or was third and 16 and they made a play. Um, there was a, there was a pass interference call or a hold on John Reed. I think when they were going to get ready to yep. close out the game as well, they've been so close to playing better. Mm-hmm. They just have to get better and more aware on third down. I don't know if it starts with Brent Pry and the calls or the players, what to expect, but they do the hard part to me. Yeah. And it's the easy part. That's actually kind of, they're fumbling that opportunity. Yeah. No doubt about it. You're listening to the Penn live Penn state blitz podcast, or you're watching the Penn live Penn state blitz video. Uh-huh. If you're listening to the podcast, like rate or subscribe, uh, Apple stitcher, uh, you name uh, it, it's there. Google, um, if you're watching the video, subscribe yep. to the YouTube page, youtube.com slash all Penn State. Um, just one last thought for me on the defense, Bob. I think you've nailed it. It's finishing at this point. It's, it seems like, you know, Brent Price system's been in place long enough yeah. now. This coaching staff's been together on that side of the ball long enough now. They, the players know what to expect. Um, it, you're right. They, it seems like too often over the first three weeks, Idaho excluded yeah. because that was yeah. just not, yeah. not really worth revisiting but you're right they do the hard part to get to what should be the the easy part part, and they have not you know taken advantage of that easy as often as they should have if you think about it it's really a good sign it is yeah because eventually they're going to learn how to to make life easier for Mm -hmm. themselves and hopefully they can do it against some good teams hopefully they can do it on the road but to me i think it's got to be a glass half full i think we're glass half full offense and defense when you can when you can get to the point where they are in games and just Mm -hmm. for the quirkiest of reasons not being able to finish it i think it bodes well because i think that's a step 
that you can accomplish. That's that, that's an easy step that you can kind of address, solve, whatever you want to say. I, I think they should feel pretty good about themselves. I, I do think I'm anxious to see how this team plays on the road. I don't think, you know, we could talk about it next week. I don't think the Maryland environment is going to be easy for them, even though they, they, they've really destroyed this program the last two years. This is a different year. This is a different team, different coaching staff. But I just think the Friday night game is looming as a, as a, a very interesting game. And I think they, they need a test like this. They incrementally, they've gotten tested a little bit more each week. Right. And, and this is, this is what it's like, you know, if you're going to succeed in the Big Ten East. This is, I think this Maryland challenge is better than the pit challenge at home. And then if you look at the schedule after that, it's right. only going to get deeper and deeper and deeper, the tests. So I think this is what Penn State and Franklin, if they're going to struggle, struggle early. If they're right. going to have issues, you know, have them now. Now you have a week to fix them because now, you know, there's not going to be, t- there's not too many breathers on the schedule. I think Rutgers might be one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Indiana might be another, but it's just not going to be an easy, easy gauntlet for them to run. Purdue's a breather too. All right. Well, six points against TCU. Come on. <laughs> Okay, we'll give him Purdue. We're going to give him Purdue. That's you talking, not me. So let's talk about if anyone can get their Purdue noon start Beaver Stadium homecoming. That's right. That's I don't a, know if a, anybody that, will make it. Now to that the is game. a traffic issue. We could actually do a traffic podcast. I think, we might. I think we get a lot of likes and listens because <laughs> yeah. we would probably have the same experiences that the fan base has had trying to get to the Pittsburgh game. Um, uh, there were some uh, recruits yeah. uh, at the Pittsburgh game. Mm-hmm. One from Susquehanna Township, who's yep. a, who's a commit, Fatuma Moba. You got it. Uh, defensive line, a tackle for the for the Susquehanna Township Indians, right in our own backyard. Um, just kind of the big picture for the recruiting, not only for this class and you know the the twenty twenty one class. Um, where, where are they? What do you like about it? What should the fan base kind of be looking for the final couple? Months? Yeah, it was a tough go for that pit game from a recruiting perspective because just like some fans were stuck and uh, in the you know on the way into the game, fans, media, whatever, uh, recruits were too. And it sounds like that, that Atherton yeah. entrance is the one that's really a problem for people. It seems like some of the other lots are working a little bit better. So we'll see if Penn State can clean that up. But on your recruiting front, real quick, I mean, decent non-conference opportunity to host some kids, yep. but September can be tough. You do get that night game prime time, which was helpful. Um, they get Zariah Fisher, the Alakippa three-star. Is he a defensive end? Is he a linebacker to next level? <clears throat> he plays middle linebacker right now. I think he's in, he's going to be in that Nick Tarburton conversation, Bob, of he looks like he can keep the weight to stay at linebacker now. He might get there, get yep. on that strength, conditioning, and nutrition plan and all of a sudden blow in, blow up into a big defensive end. So I think you're probably talking maybe him going more the Tarburton way as mm-hmm. opposed to the Parsons way. We'll have to wait and see. They lose RJ Adams, three-star offensive lineman from uh, Virginia. He was taken off the commitment list posted by 247 Sports and Rivals this week. Penn so it's only inv- They're only really interested in five stars for Virginia. That's been pretty clear. Yeah, if, if you're right. not going to be like a five-star, I mean, don't. I guess you just don't waste Penn yeah, they have the they t- only They only want the five stars. Yeah, they have the kid from Atlee, Virginia, the three-star tight end, but uh, he actually has picked up some, some pretty interesting... He'll uh, be a four evaluations yeah so far so that's it though on the recruiting front they'll use the bye week to get out on the road and see some more kids some more prospects but they're gonna have to have their normal sunday practice saturday this week to stay on schedule with the friday night game and then have an (laughs) off day on sunday instead of monday so i'm not sure they'll get on the road as much as normal saturday practice what if you're a penn state player what could be better than that on a bye week absolutely nothing uh 
So in, in terms of the rankings, just so where are they roughly? Are, are they top? They're going to they're going to they're going to trend between, you know, as schools pick up commitments, yeah. they sometimes drop down toward the 20s. As they pick up commitments, they rise back toward the 10s. I would expect this class to settle in top 15. Now, if there's some surprise, some surprise, sure. I don't see any bad surprises on the horizon. Um, you know, you, you already lost Grant Tutan, Aaron Parks, RJ Adams, Josh Moten, right? The rest of this class looks pretty darn solid. So I don't know if I see any bad surprises on the horizon. Maybe you get a couple good ones that bump you into the top 10, but this looks like a top 15 class at this point in time. I'm just going to, I'm just going to ask, is there any chance, even like a 1% chance is Julian Fleming, Southern Columbia is, are the dishes done as far as uh, I think case? so? Yeah. He's going to Ohio State. I, I think so. Yeah. At this point, I do. not even a 1% chance. I, I mean, no, it's recruiting. So you always have to have a 1% chance, but that that's as far as I'm willing to go. So 98 uh, or 99% uh, chance he goes so to Ohio State. There's a chance. I, uh, I'll say there's a chance. Movie lines. That's all I'm going to, I don't, I don't want to sidetrack. Recruiting podcast, is but, recruiting, Bob. Uh, and just to follow up on what you said, make sure you guys rate this podcast good bad ugly indifferent if you want to rate greg and i separately i can live with it <laughs> i could be drinking i could be dragging this podcast down i don't know i i am open to a constructive criticism so please do if you like it please let us know if you have any questions or concerns please rate uh the penn state blitz podcast we're just kind of getting started with it it's only going to get better this is the bye week and we're already nailing it so speaking of that uh we're in mailbag qu- we're in quarter number four the mailbag uh, fan favorite. I I have a couple questions for you. Okay. I'm sure you have a couple for me. So let's get to it. All right. I'll kick it off with uh, Tommy Stevens, who was yeah. on the uh, Adam Brenneman podcast recently. We're going to talk a little bit more about the transfer portal in the second half. Second half of this podcast, different video on YouTube.com <laughs> slash all Penn State. So, um, but Bob, you know, heard some thoughts from him. Yeah. I would say him leaving Penn State to earn a starting job at Mississippi State. I was characterize his comments as that being bittersweet in his mind would you agree yeah i mean it was uh you know a a lot of positive feedback for him and kudos to adam for kind of getting him on the record a friend of his you know he hasn't really been those are really his first remarks i think since on the record really addressing you know the decision right um it's obviously it wasn't easy for him he went out he kind of went out of his way to say he wasn't he wasn't scared of the challenge he just looked at the situation he looked at penn state's situation Uh didn't necessarily felt like they lined up because sometimes when you're penn state you're looking to not only the present but the future right which very much was probably either going to be sean clifford or will levis uh he probably i know it wasn't an easy decision for him to make i think penn state fans will always wonder what he might have been able to do uh, as a starter for one year. But I don't know that there was any guarantee that he would have been the starter for the whole season. Sean Clifford's played well. Um, It's one of those things we're never really going to know about. But uh, yeah, I I just think that it was nice for him to kind of address the situation a little bit and uh, maybe get a little bit of closure. I think maybe he needed it. and Maybe the Penn State fans needed to hear something about it. Yeah, I agree. That pretty much closes the book on that because, you know, Tommy Stevens' dad was the one that was doing much of the talking back when he first went into the portal. Uh, Joe Moorhead, for good reasons, didn't want to talk much about the situation when Stevens got there. He didn't want Stevens to be made available to talk about it because he wanted to keep it as normal as possible he's been okay not great so far but yeah i take it as time i mean it 
everything was on all the cards were on the table. Penn state couldn't name him the starter after spring practice. Tommy didn't feel like that was the best, uh, the best path of starting. So he went to Mississippi state where he thought it was a better path and it worked out for him. Yeah. All right. I have a question for you. Okay. Have you ever, ever seen Neil Rudell of the Altoona mirror more angrier than he was on Twitter and in the press box over the parking situation. Yeah. That's just not going away. So Noon start at Beaver stadium, new parking arrangement where there, you can only go one way right. four hours for the game. It's great when it works, but they don't have all the glitches ironed out yet. And if you came up the wrong road at the wrong time, you just sat and sat and sat and sat yeah. very frustrating. Hopefully they can fix it. But Neil was pretty upset. Yeah. Neil was angry. And I guess with good reason, it took yeah. it what two hours to get from Altoona to, to his parking spot in state college. Um, I, I look, I see it like this. Um, it sounds like from what we've heard that yeah. some other, maybe three of the four new entryways are okay. Or two and a half. So northeast, south, and west. If you're on the west side, the west is the problem with Atherton because you got construction. You got one side trying to make a right hand turn, the other side trying to make a left hand turn. Keep in mind when you come off that Innovation Park exit, everyone's looping around in the one place. Hmm. You might sit on that exit, or you might sit on 99 for a little bit, but at least everyone's trying to all go the same way. And there's no construction up there that I'm aware of. Atherton, you have construction. You have lights. You have uh, two different turn directions. I mean, it just yeah. it's built for failure. And, you know, it took us uh, quite some time to get from Rec Hall to the Park Avenue. And we had left plenty early. So I don't know. I've heard some good reviews from people who say, hey, we uh, we left early. You know, we left early before the one way started. We did this. We did that. And I get it. But um, it's not they were never going to please everyone with this plan. I'm just not sure the Atherton thing is, is ironed at the very least make it just straight green, you know, no lights, just make, you're going to change the traffic patterns until the kickoff starts and make it. I I don't know what they do. They're paying someone a lot of money. I can tell. I can tell. I'm not a parking expert or they're paying a company, a lot of money to be parking experts. I'm not sure they nailed it so far. Okay. Let's get back to the football side of it. Although that was a good vent. I think it was deserved. A lot of people are frustrated. So hopefully they can get the glitches worked out. It wasn't just us that had to wait. A lot of people had yes. to wait for no apparent reason. What's your next question? Uh, your biggest uh, disappointment for you so far after three games in, of 2019 Penn State football yeah. besides parking is why. <laughs> <laughs> to me, uh, I don't know if it's a disappointment that it's their struggles on third down. Yeah. Um, just, they're just not firing at all on third down. A lot of it is because they've been in a lot of third longs mm-hmm. or not. So third and not so manageable. So right. they're not in third and one and third and two very often. James talked about it. They're aggressive on first and second down when the, when the big plays don't come though, that leaves them vulnerable on third down. Right. Um, so yeah, that, I think, I think the third down issue has probably been the thing that probably uh, sticks out to me the most. I think the defense, I'm, I don't really have a lot of issues no. with the defense and fans just have to remember that they've made a conscious decision to play a lot of players in this. And, and then that, the drop off might be there a little bit through three right. games, but they are a much deeper team now going into the Big Ten season. Guys are experienced; they know what to expect. Um, the starters haven't—I mean, haven't really played a lot of snaps. If you remember the last couple of years, 
you know, Sharif Miller, those guys, they were out on the field for 65, 70 snaps. And now they're, they're getting rotated in and out. I think it's going to be a fresher team. Uh, the third down uh, offense, though, that's something that James and Ricky have to, to work out. I think everyone plays a part in that, whether it's the offensive line, whether it's the receivers, whether it's Sean missing some, play, uh, some throws, it can be better. And I think also I would say the running back rotation probably ties into that a little bit as well. They got to have their, their best running backs uh, on the field on third down. It's a critical down. Yeah, no question. I think that the one thing you'll see more of either in a positive way or a negative way is, you know, James can talk until he's blue in the face about how they're one of the better teams in the country on getting first downs on first and second down. That's great. But you're not going to have that in every single game, every single series. And you better have some plays that work on third down. It doesn't always look like they have those. Okay. One for you. After three games, what, what, what would you say about Justin Shorter's impact on the Penn State offense? Yeah, I think encouraging is the word that comes to mind. He's on the field a lot. When the ball doesn't always come his way, Bob, but when it does, he catches it. And I think he's been one of their more consistent guys in that regard. Is he still working on getting open more efficiently and more quickly? Yeah, I think so. But that'll come with time. I think he's been A-OK thus far. Is that all the mailbag questions we have this uh, week? Just one more. Uh, Saturday plans for it's, it's your bye week, Greg. And can you share? Can you share with uh, the audience? Maybe are you going to stay local? Is Lola your golden retriever involved? Like what's going to happen? Rest, relaxation, and uh, yeah, the dog will enjoy plenty of playtime on Saturday as we watch college football from noon until midnight. We got some picks coming up on the other side of this, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, that did not. That answer did not make for great podcasting or video viewing. Just so you know, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't want. The, I didn't want the PG version. I wanted a little. I wanted a little real life Greg Pickle. I guess we'll never know. Well, if we can we'll, find we'll if we can find some uh, some beverage uh, companies to sponsor this podcast, <laughs> maybe we'll be more interested in uh, in sharing those thoughts. Oh, that would be great. That yeah. would be great. All right, that's it for that's it for the video portion yes. of the Penn State Blitz. The Penn State podcast moves on. Okay, Greg, welcome back to the Penn State Blitz podcast. It's moving on yes. into its second hour. Is it the third hour? The <laughs> I can't even remember. Uh, in all seriousness, no, we're just getting started with this podcast, and we just encourage everyone out there that's listening to be brutally honest. Review us if you like it. You can give us six stars. Don't give us five. Just give us six so we can keep going. If you don't like it, it's Greg's fault. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to pick up uh, some more Penn State football talk. Greg, do you want to start with uh, the transfer portal? Oh, or the do, you portal. Just, do you just want to get to the picks? Let's just do the portal All first. Right. Let's start with the portal. Is Jordan Stout the most valuable addition via the transfer portal in the country? I would say that Justin Fields is one <laughs> and Jordan Stout. How about two. the Oklahoma quarterback? Well, yeah, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts probably has a part of that conversation too. Yeah, he has good odds still too. Uh, we might have to go out and talk about. Beverage. He could be a strong third though. Jordan could be a strong third. I, I would say. I mean, look, kidding, I, I but think, I mean, he's been very valuable. Yeah, I mean, he's changes the game for Penn State. Yeah. I mean. You would have to go back in the history books to find the last season that Penn State didn't face a kickoff return mm-hmm. if they've ever had that happen. And barring bad weather and onside kicks, they're going to experience that this year. So um, you can't underestimate the field goal ability either. Right. I mean, 
57, they were they didn't like to kick over 40 last year. Right. And this kid comes in and boots a 57-yard field goal. And if you go back and watch the replay, he probably would have made it from 60. I didn't I even mean, think he got it all, and it still was over. But And that was a big kick because they had Maurice French, right. the return man, back. for It was right before the half. Yep. If he doesn't hit that perfectly, French probably gets a chance to return it against a you know, a field goal unit. That's not exactly the most athletic unit on the Penn state team. Correct. Yeah. So he's been just a phenomenal addition. The other guy that came in this year, Weston Carr has been okay, but uh, there's a lot of receiver play to be spread around. So we haven't seen him as much. Yeah. And Jake Pinnegar last year, he, Jake hasn't missed a field goal this year. They, I think he's only made attempted three kicks. He's made them all last year. I, I believe he was five for 11 from 40 plus yards. Right. They've sent stout out twice for, for a 53 yarder and a 57 yarder, he's made them both. I mean, that's that's really uh, a nice weapon to have. Mm-hmm. And I would just say with the with the touchbacks, I think it's tw- is it 20 for 21 or it's some ridiculous number. That sounds right. And even the one that wasn't credited as a touchback, they don't have any, they've not given up any return yards. Right. Just think about the impact though on the Penn State defense. They're never going to be. They haven't been on a short field. After a, after a score. Yeah, no. You know what I mean? It's, it's a big deal. Just look at last year with the Appalachian State game. They give up a kick return score first half. Then all of a sudden it's a game and it's nearly an upset. Yeah. Um, well, it's, and, and it's really just a big weapon to have. And look, too, at the fact that, you know, that field position game means everything because Pitt's punter was terrific and he pinned Penn State deep. Yeah. Jordan Stout just kept kicking the ball in the end zone and Pitt still won the field possession battle. So figure that out. But ultimately, it didn't matter. Just real quick on yep. the defections that Penn State sure. had. It was a big offseason topic. Some of these guys, I think, found the right level to play at. Brandon Polk, Jarvis Miller, uh, Dalen Derry, and some of them went FCS. Some of them went mm-hmm. group of five, whatever it was. Um, some guys, Penn State recruits, they just don't thrive the way some of their teammates do right. at, at the Big Ten level. Doesn't mean they're bad football players. So it's been, I think, encouraging and interesting to see some of those kids thrive elsewhere. Jawan Johnson, I don't think, is suited up for Oregon yet. Um, so I'm not sure what the future holds for him. Looks and good then, coming off the bus, man. Yeah, same at, same at Penn State. We're still yep. waiting on him to make some plays. Right. It's just, it is what it is. He's now in his fourth or fifth year. I mean, it's time. It's what's it going to be? I right. mean, his, his future's kind of hanging in the balance. Hopefully, he's not hurt too bad or whatever the deal is. But he's got a quarterback that's going to be a first round pick. If he isn't on the field, he's got to get on the field soon. Right. And then finally, uh, Tommy Stevens. Uh, seems like he was yeah. taken out of that loss to Kansas State because of uh, injury, not a benching. So Joe Moorhead was yeah. very direct about the fact that if he's healthy, he's going to be the Bulldogs number one. Problem, Bob, yeah. just like at Penn State, you just can't seem to rely on him being healthy on game yeah. day. At some point, somebody's got to sit Tommy Stevens down and tell him and, and emphasize uh, sliding. He is he's 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 playing. You know, he's taking too many hits too yeah. too often. A lot of those are are, are avoidable. You know, he, you don't always have to put your head down or put your shoulder down. I mean, he's playing in the SEC. He's going to face some. He's going to place face some athletic big defenses. He cannot continue to play. If he's going to carry the ball 10, 12 times a game, half those times he's got to figure out a way to either get down, get out of bounds, because he, he's got a very strong arm. But if his shoulder's always hurting him or if he's always beat up or, or his lower half's hurting him, he, I mean, it's really just impacting him. And some of these injuries, you know, I think I just think they have a lingering effect. You can only take so much punishment. No, absolutely, Bob. All right. Ready for weekend picks? I can't wait. Let's just let's a quick review. Last week, did you give out? You, did you give out? 
you give out Air Force. Air Force, which was good. Getting four, and they won the game against Colorado. That's right. Did you say you like Temple? I did like Temple. Did you have any wrong last week? Uh, the, yeah, there was one that was way off. We don't and have I to talk about that. I believe my Penn State pick was not close either. So um, I had the under, but I didn't have Pitt covering. I knew it would be low scoring. I just figured that Penn State would be able to score more than 17. So Penn State, nice. Penn State the under this week. For the bye. Um, You're so clever. I know. Uh, it's terrible. Give us some picks on some big games. Come on. Yeah. Friday night, USC, Utah. I can't wait to watch that game. I think it's going to be one of the better games of the weekend. It decides the Pac-12. It really decides if the Pac-12 has a chance of making the college football player or not. Give me USC in that game. Give me Oklahoma State against Texas. Are you, are you going to give out any lines? Are you just going to pick them to win? What are uh, we doing? Uh, it's four and a half. They change. By, you We're know, trying but, to make these people money. I know, but the problem is the lines change so darn much between the time we record. and So Oklahoma State's in the five and a half, five range. Uh, USC, I believe, is in the four and a half, four range. You're both uh, picking yep. up points in that. Uh, you know, uh, George Notre Dame under. I don't remember what it is, but I still I like it. I just think that that game is going to be quick and easy and to the point. Um, and then the big Big Ten matchup of the weekend: Wisconsin and Michigan. Yeah, it's at Michigan, correct or no? Yes. Give me the Are you give positive. Me the, I'm not, okay. but give me the Wolverines. Uh, I think Josh Gaddis and Jim Harbaugh have been playing a little bit of hide and seek. I think, you know, Jack Crone is starting to get Jack Cone, Jack Crone, the Cone, Cone, C-O-A-N. Yeah. Uh, he's been getting a little bit of praise for the fact that he hasn't been Alex Hornibrook yet. I think he turns into a pumpkin. Michigan wins. By he was not good last year against Penn State. I know no, uh, Michigan wins that game by 10. How about the under in that game? Like what? what's the too total? easy to it's probably it's 43. There's no I such think. thing as too easy when you're getting people to make money greg that's true so recap take the points with oklahoma state take the points with usc lay them well that michigan wisconsin line has been flipping all over so i don't know where that ends up i don't care doesn't somebody win that game 20 to 17 i don't know who it is isn't isn't that basically going to be the final score i have it michigan 28 wisconsin 7 how about that for a blowout you can actually bet for them to win by exactly 21 points so you're saying you're saying you would lay michigan in 20 yeah, <laughs> I would. I oh, love. We're gonna have so much fun. Uh, yeah, I love Michigan this week. Uh, I At just, least I, I like the fact you lead with your chin. But once in a while, you're right. So I like it. And then the last one was the George under. Which okay. we don't know what that number is, wow, but it's a lot of picks. Some is. people are. Well, we have a free Saturday, well, man. We might get a lot of awful reviews now if you're wrong. Well, we might get some zeros. Right, like or subscribe. It helps either way. <laughs> All right, that's it for this week. We will be back next week to talk about Penn State and Maryland.